Hello, I'm Alec, and this is Scandal 101. Happy June and happy Pride Month. Thanks for tuning in. Last week, I finally, after two-ish years, got COVID. So that is why there was not an episode last week. Luckily, I wasn't too bad. It was mainly head stuff like congestion, coughing, a little bit of a headache, and a lot of exhaustion. But it was not fun. Thank you for tuning in. Normally, I start the episode off with things I've seen in the news recently in terms of scandals, but unfortunately, a lot of what I've been seeing in the news is the tragic, horrific stuff coming out of Texas and all of the horrific, just unfortunate things coming out of there. And it kind of ties into what I'm going to talk about today, which is the Columbine school shooting. I chose this topic for a couple of reasons. One, because of all of the shootings we've been seeing in the news recently, but especially with Ulvaldi. And then the other reason is it was recommended by a listener because there is a lot of Uh, misinformation and misunderstanding about what actually happened. So I want this episode to help tell what really happened at Columbine. Not that I'm like, here's what really happened, but just like, here's what happened. Hopefully it will clear up some rumors or some misunderstandings that you have. So to Sophie, thank you for the suggestion. It's obviously going to be a tough episode to listen to, but it's an important story to tell. The sources I used for this episode before I start, I used a History.com article titled Columbine Shooting, an article from the New York Times titled Columbine Victims Were Killed Minutes Into the Siege at Colorado School by M. Janowski, a mission statement from rachelschallenge.org, a writing called The 13 Tears Drawing from rachelscottblog.tumblr.com, a transcript of the Columbine basement tapes, and then the Wikipedia page about this event. And the last thing I will say before I dive into this episode is it is told chronologically in some places minute by minute, and it is pretty detailed in terms of what happened. So there is a lot of information in terms of people getting shot, people getting injured. Just so you know, before we dive in, I'm sure you figured because I'm doing Columbine shooting, there's also language. Um, There are some homophobic slurs in here that I am going to say, but that's that. So let's dive in. The shooting at Columbine High School took place on April 20th, 1999, with the events 
of the day starting around 11.10 a.m. and lasting until 12.08 p.m. In total, 15 people died, including both of the shooters, and a total of 24 people were injured, 21 of those people being injured by gunfire. To start, we are going to talk about the two shooters, and why I'm starting with them is because there is a lot of background there, and there is just a lot of horrifying stuff to these people, and to provide a complete picture, we need to talk about them. So the two school shooters' names were Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. Eric was born in 1981, he moved around a lot as a kid, and his dad was in the Air Force, so that is why they moved around a lot. They eventually ended up in Littleton, Colorado, when his dad retired from the Air Force. Dylan was also born in 1981, and grew up in the Lakewood, Littleton area of Colorado. In 1996, three years before the shooting, Eric created a site on AOL, throwback to AOL, that hosted first-person shooter games, and if you don't know what that is, it's basically like Call of Duty, where you are in the game the shooter. He also started a blog where he wrote about sneaking out and doing vandalism and other random things such as lighting fireworks, and he did those things with some of his friends, including Dylan. Starting in 1997, his posts on the blog were showing that he was angry at society, and at the end of the year, there were instructions for how to make explosives. The site, even though it was hosting these potentially concerning things, especially with directions on how to make explosives, it didn't really catch the attention of anyone until August of 1997 when he posted on his blog, quote, All I want to do is kill and injure as many of you as I can, especially a few people, like Brooks Brown, end quote. Brooks Brown was a classmate of Eric's. Eric's parents saw the site and luckily contacted police. There was a search warrant request drafted for the house, but it was never submitted to a judge. On January 30th, 1998, Eric and Dylan were arrested for breaking into a van and stealing tools and computer equipment. They both pled guilty to felony theft, and they were sentenced to jail to a juvenile diversion program. They had to attend anger management programs, talk with a diversion officer, and eventually the two were released from the program because of positive behavior and actions, and they were put on probation. After the whole van break-in ordeal, it seemed as if Eric had learned his lesson. Instead of posting stuff on his blog, he was going to write stuff in a journal. He started writing in his journal, and it was in the journal that him and Dylan would would begin to plan the eventual Columbine shooting. In this journal, Eric talked about what they were going to do after the Columbine attack, and it included escape plans such as escaping to a foreign country, or hijacking a plane from the Denver airport and crashing it into New York City. And as a reminder, this was before 9-11. Eric wasn't the only one that liked to journal, Dylan did as well. He had also been keeping his own journal and wrote in there about going on a killing spree. 
back in Eric's journal, he expressed his desire to rape and torture women in his bedroom. He talked about his interest in cannibalism and wrote that he would want to dismember a woman and then have sex with her. So clearly, there is a lot going on with these two boys, young men. In both of Eric and Dylan's schoolwork, there were a lot of signs that something was going to happen. There was a lot of violence depicted in their schoolwork, including one piece Eric wrote titled, quote, Guns in School, end quote, which was a poem from the perspective of a bullet. Dylan wrote a story about how a man killed students, and the story was so alarming to his teacher that she alerted his parents. Both Eric and Dylan researched negative topics such as the Nazis and Charles Manson, which, albeit on its own, is not necessarily alarming. The Nazis and Charles Manson, while horrible, are fascinating, but combined with everything else, the past writings, the criminal tendencies, the desire to rape and sexually assault women, and the desire to actually kill people, that, in combination with everything else, bad. Eric wrote in his psychology class that he wanted to go on a shooting spree with Dylan, and finally, to end it off with the writings, Dylan wrote in Eric's 1998 yearbook, quote, killing enemies, blowing stuff up, killing cops. My wrath for January's incident will be godlike, not to mention our, our revenge in the commons, end quote. The commons referred to the school cafeteria. As if these two weren't disturbing enough, there's something about this shooting called the basement tapes. Both Eric and Dylan were in video production classes at school, and they recorded five videotapes on, on school video equipment. Only two, and part of a third, were ever released. On the other unreleased tapes and the portions of the unreleased tapes, it involved their plans, their reasoning for the eventual massacre, and it included details about how and where they hid their weapons and how they tricked their parents. The main reason parts and all of these tapes weren't released is because authorities didn't want to have potential future school shooters inspired by these tapes. Of the ones that have been released, there are transcripts of them available online, and I'm going to read a short part of one of the transcripts. They're online, and if you want to read more, um, they are linked in the show notes, but I am just going to read this small excerpt so you can truly get a sense of how horrible these two were. Dylan said, quote, they didn't even know it was there, end quote. Eric then talks about a day where he shot a gun in the mountains, came home, and his mom saw the butt of the gun and only assumed it was his BB gun. Eric said, quote, I could convince them I'm going to climb Mount Everest or I have a twin brother growing out of my back. I can make you believe anything, end quote. They then start talking about people that they know and Eric says, quote, shut the fuck up, Nick. You laugh too much. And those two girls sitting next to you, they probably want you to shut the fuck up too. Jesus, Rachel and Jen, and whatever. End quote. Dylan said, quote, I don't like you, Rachel and Jen. You're stuck up little bitches. You're fucking little Christian, godly little whores. End quote. Eric then says, quote, yeah, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Shut the fuck up. End quote. Dylan says, quote, what would Jesus do? what the fuck would I do? End quote. 
Eric then says, quote, I would shoot you in the motherfucking head. Go Romans. Thank God they crucified that asshole. End quote. As you can see, they are quite disturbed. In one of the videos, which was made 30 minutes before the shooting, the way they ended it off is they said goodbye and apologized to their families and friends. So that is the two shooters, Eric and Dylan, and now we are going to start with the horrific events at Columbine High School. At 11.10 a.m., Eric arrived at the student parking lot of Columbine High School. Dylan arrives at the high school around the same time. Eric speaks to one student outside of the school briefly near the west entrance of the school. The student says that Eric told him to leave the school because Eric liked him. This is the only person Eric or Dylan speak to before the killing begins. Between 11.14 a.m. and 11.22 a.m., Eric and Dylan walk into the school cafeteria. They are carrying two large duffel bags that had enough explosive power to kill many students who would have been arriving for the first lunch of the day. They place these two bags by two lunch tables and then walk out. The bags blend in with the hundreds of backpacks on the floor during this busy lunchtime. The bombs in the bags, which are 20-pound propane bombs, were timed to go off at 11.17 a.m. Eric determined that this would be the time the most students would be in the cafeteria. After Eric and Dylan left, they went and sat in their cars and waited for the bombs to explode. From the videos, it was determined that they would probably try to shoot anyone who escaped the cafeteria after the bombs went off, and by the videos, I mean the basement tapes. On top of all of this, they have bombs with timers in their car scheduled to go off once they leave their cars to go back in the school. In total, I believe it was they had made and had around 99 explosive devices. At 11.19 a.m., Jefferson County Dispatch receives a 911 call. However, it's not from the school. It's from a citizen reporting an explosion in a field three miles southwest of Columbine High School. Eric and Dylan planted two backpacks with pipe bombs, aerosol canisters, and a small propane tank to divert law enforcement to a place other than the school. A grass fire started because of the explosion, so both the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office and the Littleton Fire Department responded to the field explosion and fire. Around that same time, several people saw Eric and Dylan standing together wearing black trench coats, carrying a backpack and a duffel bag. They were standing at the top of the west exterior steps, the highest point on campus that allowed them to see a lot from the high view. A witness reportedly heard them say, quote, go, go, end quote. They then pulled out a 9mm semi-automatic weapon from their coat and started shooting at people. They fired toward the west doors of the schools and killed the first victim, Rachel Scott. Richard Castaldo was also there, and he was shot and injured. Rachel and Richard had been outside eating lunch. A little side story, but relevant to this episode, Craig Scott, who is Rachel's brother, came into the town where I went to school and where I grew up, and he gave a talk about his life, his experience in the, in the Columbine shooting, and his sister Rachel. 
He talked a lot about how his sister was an amazing person, how her death impacted him, how he now uses her life and her memory to spread positivity, and overall was just a really nice and down-to-earth guy. I got to meet him, uh, my family and I got to meet him after his talk, and was just so, so nice. There's another thing that's interesting about Rachel, and I'll bring it up toward the end of the episode, but... What's interesting is that she liked to write and draw a lot in her journal, so just remember that tidbit for later. After Rachel and Richard are shot, more shots are fired. Daniel Rorbo, Sean Graves, and Lance Kirkland are hit after just leaving the school out of a side door. Then, five students are shot as they start to run off. Michael Johnson is shot, but manages to get to an athletic storage shed to hide and to take cover. Mark Taylor is shot and falls down to the ground, unable to run away. Dylan stops shooting from the top of the stairs and goes down the stairs to the area outside of the cafeteria and shoots Daniel Rorbo at close range, killing him instantly. Dylan shoots Lance Kirkland at close range, this now being the second time that Lance is shot, but miraculously, Lance survives. Dylan briefly stands in the doorway of the cafeteria, and it's speculated he stood in the doorway of the cafeteria because he wanted to check out why the explosives in the cafeteria didn't go off. He then leaves the cafeteria doorway and joins Eric back at the top of the stairs again. Eric shoots down the stairs and hits Anne-Marie Holchalter. She is shot multiple times as she runs for the cafeteria. A witness heard one of the gunmen say, quote, this is what we've always wanted to do. This is awesome. End quote. At 11.22 a.m., so keep in mind all of that happened within two or three minutes, at 11.22 a.m., the school custodian hits record on the VCR tape. The custodian had gone into where the VCR tape to the security cameras was kept just a minute or two before the shooting started to change and erase the old tape so there could be room for the new tape, just by complete coincidence. At the same time that he is resetting the tape and hitting record, Jefferson County Sheriff's Deputy Neil Gardner, who was also the school resource officer, was finishing lunch in his car when he received a call on the school radio from the custodian saying that there was help needed in the back lot of the school. At 11.23 a.m., 911 gets a call from Columbine High School saying that a girl is injured in the parking lot, the caller saying, quote, I think she's paralyzed, end quote. Deputy Gardner is heading toward the student parking lot when he hears over his radio, this time the sheriff's radio, quote, female down in the south parking lot of Columbine High School, end quote. At 11.24 a.m., more and more people in the school are starting to become aware of what's happening. People in the cafeteria are starting to hide under tables. A teacher named Patricia Nielsen is working as a hall monitor when she looks outside to see two students with what she thinks are toy guns. She's going to go tell the boys to knock it off when either Dylan or Eric fires into the west entrance which, which causes glass and metal to spray into the hallway. Patricia Nielsen gets hit by the fragments in her shoulder, her forearm, and her knee. 
With her is student Brian Anderson. He was told by a teacher to get out of the school due to the explosion, but unfortunately, he didn't know which way the danger was. He walked out of the first set of the West Doors double doors, and he was in between the first set of doors and the second set of doors when Eric fired at the exterior doors. Brian gets hit in the chest with glass fragments, but luckily, both Brian and Patricia survive so they head to the library. At the same time that all of this is happening, Deputy Gardner makes it to the parking lot with his lights flashing and his siren going off. Eric turns from the school and starts to fire at Deputy Gardner, who is wearing a bright yellow shirt to help identify him as a school resource officer. Eric fires around 10 shots at Gardner, and Gardner fires back around four times. Neither one of them are hit by each other's bullets, and then Eric turns around and heads into the school. Students are now pretty aware of what's going on, and several students recall a teacher named William Sanders directing students to get out of the school. At 11.25 a.m., Jefferson County Sheriff's Office dispatch lets other know- others know that there are possible shots being fired by saying, quote, Attention, South Units. Possible shots fired at Columbine High School, 6201 South Pierce, possibly in the south lower lot toward the east end. One female is down. End quote. Patricia Nielsen, who is now in the library, calls 911 to report gunfire outside of the library. At 11.26 a.m., Gardner radios for additional units saying, quote, Shots in the building. I need someone in the south lot with me. End quote. More deputies arrive as Eric leans out of a broken window and starts to fire a rifle. Deputies return fire, but Eric goes back inside. Students see Eric and Dylan and hear bullets hitting lockers and bouncing off of other things, and students are running for cover. As the two are firing weapons, both are laughing. One of the teachers I mentioned, William Dave Sanders, in some sources he's William Sanders, in some sources he's Dave Sanders, but if you hear the name Sanders, it's the same person. Teacher Dave Sanders is heading down a hallway when he sees one of the gunmen. He tries to turn around, but unfortunately he doesn't make it around the corner, and he is shot. Sanders survives the initial shot, but crawls from the library hall to the science hallway and makes it to a classroom where two students, who were Eagle Scouts, start to tend to his wounds. At 11.27 a.m., a roadblock is set up and students and teachers who have escaped are coming up reporting that there is a person in the school with a gun. It is also announced possible explosions have taken place inside the school. Eric and Dylan walk down the library hallway, randomly firing their guns. They throw a pipe bomb from the stairs into the cafeteria where it explodes. Two other pipe bombs are thrown in the hallway. While all of this is happening, Patricia Nielsen is in the library on the phone with 911 and is screaming at students to get under tables and to stay hidden. At 11.28 a.m., it's become clear that there are two gunmen inside the school. At 11.29, Gardner calls for emergency medical response teams. Eric and Dylan walk into the school library, and on the 911 call, a male voice is heard yelling, quote, get up, end quote. Between 11.29 a.m. and 11.36 a.m., a total of about seven minutes, Eric and Dylan start a horrific massacre in the library. 
Eric and Dylan first kill a student named Kyle Velasquez by shooting him in the head with a shotgun on their way walking toward the west windows where they then shoot out of the windows. Law enforcement is firing back at them, so the two turn back to the students in the library. They told everyone with a white hat or a sports emblem to stand up, and at that school it was a tradition where uh, sports team's members would either wear a white hat or a sports emblem. They fired toward a table and injured three students, Patrick Ireland, Daniel Steepleson, and Mackay Hall. Eric walked toward a row of computer desks where he got down on one knee and shot and killed 14-year-old Stephen Kurnow. He then moved to the next desk and shot 17-year-old Casey Rugseger, which grazed her neck and severed a major artery. When she gasped in pain, Eric said, quote, quit your bitching, end quote. Eric then walked to another table with two students underneath, Cassie Bernal and Emily Wyant. Eric said, quote, peekaboo, end quote, before shooting and killing Cassie Bernal. He had shot the gun with one hand and the recoil kicked back and hit him in the nose, making his nose bleed, so he now had blood running down his face. He then left that table to go to another table where Brie Pasquale was sitting next to it. Some students had to sit beside or behind tables because so many students were under the tables already that there wasn't any more room for students under certain tables. Eric asked her if she wanted to die, and she pled for her life. Eric laughed and said, quote, everyone's gonna die, end quote, which Dylan responded with, quote, shoot her, end quote. Eric said, quote, no, we're gonna blow the school up anyway, end quote. Dylan saw Patrick trying to help Mackay, so Dylan shot Patrick a second time, which hit him, hit him in the head and the foot. And again, he was using a shotgun, so the shotgun blast hit him in the head and the foot. Patrick was knocked unconscious from the shot, but miraculously survived. Dylan then walked toward another table where Isaiah Shoals, Matthew Ketcher, and Craig Scott, who is Rachel's younger brother, were hiding. Dylan yelled that he found a quote n-word end quote except he obviously said it and he tried to pull Isaiah out from under the table. Both Eric and Dylan then called Isaiah racist slurs and shot under the table. Eric shot Isaiah in the chest once killing him and Dylan killed Matthew. Craig was not shot but was lying in the blood of his friends when Eric then yelled quote who's ready to die next end quote. Eric then threw a cricket at a student, which was an explosive device, and it landed on the student's leg, so the student threw it in a different direction quickly. And luckily, the student's fast reaction probably saved them injuries, if not their life, because they threw the explosive device, and it exploded mid-air. Eric and Dylan then walked to the eastern area of the library, where they shot and injured Mark Kintkin by shooting him in the head and the shoulder. Dylan turned to a table and shot his shotgun, injuring Lisa Krutz, Lauren Townsend, and Valine Schnur. Dylan moved closer and fired several shots, killing Lauren Townsend. Valine began screaming, quote, Oh my God, oh my God, end quote, to which Dylan asked her if she believed in God. Valine said yes, and Dylan asked her why before saying, quote, God is gay, end quote. Dylan then walked away after reloading his gun and not shooting Valine. 
Eric then approached a table, looked at the two girls under it, said they were pathetic, and moved on. He then moved to another table where he fired and injured Nicole Noland and John Tomlin. John moved out from under the table, so Dylan shot him repeatedly, killing him. Eric then walked back to the area where Lauren Townsend was laying dead. Kelly Fleming was behind the table due to a lack of space, and Eric shot and killed her. He shot at the table behind Kelly and injured Jenna Park. The two moved to the center of the library where they reloaded their guns and then pointed their gun at someone. The student moved and then stood up after being asked to identify himself. It turned out to be John Savage, who was an acquaintance of Dylan. John asked Dylan what they were doing, to which Dylan shrugged and said, quote, Oh, just killing people, end quote. John asked if they were going to kill him, and Dylan said no and then told him to run. After John left, Eric fired at 15-year-old Daniel Messer, hitting him in the ear and the hand. Daniel either shoved a chair at Eric or tried to grab his leg, so Eric shot him in the face at close range, killing him. Eric and Dylan started firing under another table, injuring Jennifer Doyle and Austin Eubanks, and killing Corey DePuder. All of this was done by 11.35, and before leaving the library, they threatened to kill another person named Todd. The pair walked out of the library at 11.36 a.m., and in seven minutes, killed 10 people and injured 12. The survivors of the library started to evacuate through the north emergency exit door after Eric and Dylan left. Outside of the school, while the stuff in the library was happening, additional law enforcement arrived at the school. At 11.32, the first call is received by the sheriff's office from a media outlet requesting information regarding what is happening at the school. After Eric and Dylan left the library, they made their way to the science area. As they walked by classrooms, they apparently made eye contact with students who were inside the classrooms, but they didn't engage with any of them or they didn't try to break into any of the classrooms. It's reported that after the library, their movements seem kind of random, less focused, and there doesn't seem to be as much focus on killing people as much as causing chaos. Obviously, we can't know what they're thinking, but there were classrooms full of people that they did not engage with. They didn't even try to break in. At 11.36 a.m., so right around the time that Eric and Dylan left the library, it is reported that there is a man on the roof wearing a red, white, and blue striped shirt. Initially, that person is thought to be a shooter, but it turns out it was a repairman who was fixing a leak above the girls' locker room. He happened to be on the roof when the shots were fired, and when he heard the shots were fired, he clamped the roof access door shut so no one could come up. More pipe bombs are thrown into the, into the cafeteria area, and a SWAT team commander arrives at 11.36 a.m. At 11.40 a.m., more students have exited the school, and the explosions in the school seem to be moving east. By 11.44, it is confirmed that a perimeter has been established around the school and that all exits are covered by law enforcement. Dylan and Eric go back to the cafeteria where Eric shoots at the duffel bag with the unexploded devices, but even though he shoots it, it does not explode. They then seem to take a break and drink some water from water bottles in the cafeteria, and a witness hiding in the cafeteria hears one of them say, quote, Today the world's going to come to an end. Today's the day we die. End quote. 
The two continue to move randomly throughout the school, and at 11.56 a.m., it is announced on TV news that there are reports of two gunmen at Columbine High School. At 11.57, shots are still being reported from coming inside the school. At noon, the two go up from the cafeteria to the library. Also at noon, non-stop coverage of the shooting starts on local news channels. Between 12.02 and 12.05, gunfire starts from the library windows as paramedics are trying to rescue students from the school. Officers return fire. At 12.06, the first SWAT team arrives at the east main entrance of the school, and it is around this time that they get through the southeast doors. At 12.08 p.m., the last gunshot is fired from the library window, and then Eric and Dylan kill themselves. Shortly after this happens, the man on the roof, the repairman, is removed from the roof. Of course, after Eric and Dylan ended their own lives, there that wasn't the end of it. There was still a lot to be done. Officers weren't, shoot, weren't sure what was happening in the school. They weren't sure if there were more shooters, more explosives. Officers slowly go through the school and take in a horrific scene. Some things that come out of this case... Um, there is a, there's someone known as the boy in the window, and his name was Patrick Ireland, someone that I mentioned earlier. He was paralyzed on his right side after being shot by Dylan, so he crawled to the library windows. On live TV, at 2.38 p.m., he stretched out of the window, intending to fall into the arms of two SWAT team members but instead he fell directly onto the roof of the vehicle that the SWAT team members were on and he fell into a pool of his own blood. At 2.15 p.m., there was a sign put in the window that said, quote, one bleeding to death, end quote. Police at first feared that it was a tactic by the shooter, but eventually officers went to where the sign was and evacuated the students. The students, these were the students who were taking care of Dave Sanders, and Dave Sanders was the one who was bleeding to death. The students didn't want to leave him, but officers had called a paramedic, they moved him to a different room, and then the students left. By the time the paramedic arrived, Dave Sanders had died of his injuries. By 4.30pm, the school was declared safe, but the entire school was marked as a crime scene. At 10.40 p.m., a bomb squad member was attempting to dispose of an undetonated pipe bomb, but the member accidentally lit a striking match that was attached to the bomb when they brushed it against a wall on accident. The bomb detonated, but luckily, no one was hurt. I talked a little bit earlier about Rachel Scott. Rachel Scott has been referred to um, by some as a Christian martyr, which I'm not a huge fan of. But Rachel was known as a positive person, and there is a nonprofit called Rachel's Challenge, and their mission is, quote, addressing the root causes of school violence, bullying, prejudice, and self-harm through social-emotional learning programs that build connection, hope, and resilience. We improve school culture so that students are able to reach their full potential academically, socially, and emotionally, end quote. I mentioned earlier that Rachel liked to write and draw in her journal, and one thing she wrote is, quote, I have this theory that if one person can go out of their way to show compassion, then it will start a chain reaction of the same. People will never know how far a little kindness can go, end quote. 
A drawing that has gotten a lot of attention from her journal is she drew a pair of eyes crying down from the sky. Teardrops fell from the eyes onto a rose, and the tears appeared to turn into blood as they touched the rose. From what I could find, she apparently drew this the day of the Columbine shooting. What's weird about this drawing is that there are 13 tears in the drawing falling from the eyes, and there were 13 people shot and killed at Columbine. What else is weird about this drawing is that a month after Rachel's funeral, Rachel's father got a call from a man who told him about a dream he had. Rachel's dad recalled this conversation. Quote, He dreamed about her eyes and a flow of tears that were watering something that he couldn't quite see in the dream. He was adamant about the eyes and the tears and wanted to know if that meant anything to me. He told me that the dream had haunted him for days and he knew there was a reason for it. End quote. It would be a month after this call that Rachel's father would get Rachel's notebooks from the police and Rachel's father would see the drawing. Kind of switching gears, but after something like this happens, there are of course always conspiracy theories that happen, such as the Westboro Baptist Church leader saying that the two shooters were gay and that, quote, two filthy fags slaughtered 13 people at Columbine High, end quote. People thought it was staged, people thought that the shooters were government actors, and a mysterious third shooter that has never been identified. Just ridiculous theories like that. And a one other big thing that came out of this case is there was a lot of blame put on violent video games. Parents of some of the victims tried to bring various lawsuits against video game manufacturers, but they all failed. When Columbine took place, many people thought that it was the deadliest school shooting at that point, but that wasn't the case. Today, Columbine ranks sixth for the deadliest school shootings, and in order from deadliest down to Columbine, here are the top six school shootings in the United States to date. First, Virginia Tech with 33 deaths, including the shooter. Second, Sandy Hook with 28 deaths, including the shooter. Third, Uvalde, the one that just happened, with 22 deaths, including the shooter. Fourth, University of Texas Tower shooting, and that one was more deadly than Columbine when Columbine happened, with 18 deaths, including the shooter. Fifth, Parkland, with 17 deaths. And then sixth, Columbine, with... 13 deaths in the school, but 15 dead total with those last two being the school shooters. I'm going to end this episode by naming the victims of the Columbine shooting. 12 students, one teacher. Rachel Scott, 17 years old. Daniel Rohrbo, 15 years old. William David Sanders, 47 years old. Kyle Velasquez, 16 years old. Stephen Kernow, 14 years old. Cassie Bernal, 17 years old. Isaiah Scholes, 18 years old. Matthew Ketchter, 16 years old. Lauren Townsend, 18 years old. John Tomlin, 16 years old. Kelly Fleming, 16 years old. Daniel Messer, 15 years old. Corey DePuter, 17 years old. And with that, 
that concludes understanding the Columbine shooting. Again, one of the main reasons why I did this episode is because as unfortunate as it is, school shootings are a reality in the our society in the United States. Clearly, what's being done is not working. Something else needs to be done. It needs to be a combination of gun reform. There needs to be more resources poured into mental health services. There needs to be better funding for schools. There does not need to be the militarization of schools. Arming teachers is one of the most ridiculous proposals I've ever heard of. But clearly what's ha- what's being done isn't working. So to prevent things like this from happening, to prevent hearing more stories like this, you need to do something. You need to vote. You need to give money, knock doors, make calls. If you are tired of hearing about school shootings, there needs to be something done. There are different opinions about what needs to be done, but one thing is clear. What's being done is not working and it cannot continue. Alrighty, and with that, I am going to end it there. I hope you enjoyed this episode, even though it was a real bummer. It's important to know about, and it's important to understand what happened. So with that, I'm going to post photos related to this case on social media, on Instagram at Scandal101Podcast, on Twitter at Scandal101Pod, on Facebook, search Scandal101Podcast, you'll find uh, the page on there. The website is scandal101podcast.podbean.com. And the email is scandal101podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you stay safe and happy Pride Month. What a weird way to, I don't know how to end this episode. So, yep. This has been episode 54 of Scandal 101.